Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So today we have a very exciting founder, a founder that came from India to the US, then going back to India and now is doing something incredibly remarkable from zero to a hundred million in revenue in just two years. I mean, mind blowing. We're gonna be really learning a lot from him. So I guess without further ado, Amrit Acharya, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alejandro. Thank you for having me. So, originally born in a small town in India. So, how was life growing up? I'm Reed. Yeah, so I grew up in this small town in India called uh, Bhuvaneshwar. It's uh, it's uh, really not that well known. Um, it's fairly conservative as a as a as a as a place. And in fact, um, today, you know, when I look back, some of the things that were normal for me back then are not really normal. Like boys and girls didn't really speak with each other um i remember growing up uh, not having access to you know music or latest just trends which which today we take for granted like even even things as simple as uh, uh, you know lace potato chips it was just not available you know where i was growing growing up so but i but i always felt um, that uh, yeah, even though I grew up there, like I, I never felt that this is where I will spend the rest of my life. At some point, I will will move out, which is what I did when I um, uh, when I went for my undergrad. I went to this place called um, IIT Madras in Chennai. It's in the southern part of India. And uh, the decision point for me at that point of time was to go as far as away from my hometown as possible. So I literally picked the college uh, which accepted me, which is furthest away um, because I, al I almost felt like I needed to grow up uh, again from scratch. So then tell us about, you know, any influence perhaps that your family had in you, you know, on, on really having that, that drive, that, that ambition, right? So, so how did you, you know, all of a sudden yeah, have that drive? Yeah. I, I actually derive a lot of that from my father. Like my father was in, today he's a professor. But uh, he started off as a, a career man in, in the insurance industry. At the age of 40, when I got into undergrad, is when he decided that he wanted to reinvent himself completely. So he quit his job overnight and decided to pursue a PhD um, in international studies from Singapore. 
and uh, oh. and uh, and he did that and you know luckily we were doing okay financially but there was a point in time where you know and my mother she uh, she also works but you know it at, at at that point of time we it did affect the overall family income but i always look up to him that he, he had crazy amount of uh, boldness to take that decision to completely reinvent himself and today is one of the top academics in his field um and uh, he's achieved a lot of success but he started 20 years later than most people would have in and and people he considers his peers so i think that mm-hmm. that that was very inspirational for me because uh, it it taught me that you know two things that one is you know uh, we don't we don't need to uh, pursue traditional careers you know we can we can choose to do what makes sense for us and the earlier we can figure that out the better it is for our overall uh, life outcomes so which is why though I've, i've i've had a fairly traditional career before that work but it was always at the back of my mind that you know this is not permanent that though i worked at mckinsey i never really saw myself becoming a partner at mckinsey um and i really wanted to do something of my own and you know it's interesting because obviously there in india there's a lot of pressure uh around education right and 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 people you know that's i guess why you end up having so many people uh going and becoming engineers and in this case you also became an engineer and not only the pressure you know of uh of society but even your father was already as well in in academia so i'm sure that that perhaps you know gave you a little push towards studying electrical engineering uh it is it is a combination of both like my parents did prioritize education over other things but uh like luckily they were uh, i would say slightly hands off parents um so they uh, it, it had both pros and cons so i largely had to figure out life on my own to a large extent but uh, but it definitely gave me the freedom to explore things like yeah i i i went um, i studied electrical engineering uh, which is a cliche in india but i also played uh, sports a lot growing up i uh, represented my my the state i grew up in in, a, in national level cricket i was able to do a lot of extracurricular activities and and largely had a free hand in terms of deciding what i wanted to do so uh, like i even got into like business school uh, post graduating from undergrad but i realized that i didn't want to pursue that at that point of time and my parents were largely supportive which is not something you would expect from a traditional indian parent like they would really push you to study as much as possible uh, and and uh, and and really uh, uh, figure out uh, uh, all those things later that yeah. being said like i uh, when i when i started my entrepreneurial journey that part was a little bit challenging with my parents like they didn't really understand why i quit my job at mckinsey which was you know by all means a great job and uh, and started something which had a very uncertain outcome um but apart from that i've been lucky to have very supportive parents so then fast forwarding a little bit um after after you 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 graduated then you went to to work for ITC and there you were actually you ended up reporting directly to the chief executive uh and i'm sure that that for you was a mind blowing opportunity you know and and full of lessons learned on on how you were able to do things at the top so tell us about this yeah so i graduated and joined ITC as you mentioned it's a large consumer goods company in india like the general mills of 
uh, India. And uh, and again, weirdly, I was thrown into the deep end almost immediately, which today, on hindsight, I feel it's it was a very entrepreneurial experience. But my first job there within ITC was to build a new factory for ITC. And I was literally this 21-year-old kid who had graduated from college. I was I was part of a five-member team, and we were overseeing uh, almost 500 people who were building the factory. All of them, I was the youngest person on the team. I was literally, everyone else were in their 30s, 40s. Some people were in their 50s. Some of them were directly reporting to me. And, uh, you know, none of this was experience that college really taught, taught, taught me. Uh, and I literally had to grow up really quickly uh, in, in that environment. And uh, luckily, I did well. Like the first two years, I remember, uh, and because we were always behind deadline when we were building a new factory, and we were hiring people, we were developing software for the factory. Everything was very zero to one kind of work. Uh, I remember I was working seven days a week for two years, pretty much. Um, it's 14 to 16 hour days. So it was literally just going home to sleep. And and I think that stood out for the chief executive, which is why I got that opportunity after two years to report directly to him as his um, assistant. So I didn't have a fancy title back then, but you know I think the title is called chief of staff today. Uh, but I was basically handling that role where whatever was his strategic priority, I was helping execute on that, which involved uh, figuring out new products that we wanted to launch, new markets we wanted to enter. Um, and uh, you know, driving some certain strategic investments that were important for the company, and yeah, it was it was again an amazing role because I got to see this individual perform at the highest level, and I had and I was basically being paid to do that. Um, and uh, this person, his name is Sanjeev Rangras. He's been an amazing mentor to me. He's an angel investor in our company as well, and uh, just a person whom I've been stayed who I've stayed in touch with over the years. Every major decision, you know, he's largely been somebody I can just call and pick up and just talk to him. Um, but really, it really, um, and, and and it was a large company. It was like that, that certain division was doing a billion dollars in revenue every year. So uh, I, I would say that was also very important to just helping understand how large companies work and just thinking scale from a very early age. Got it. So obviously after this, you decide to pack up the bags, you come here to the U.S., you study in Berkeley, and I'm sure that that gave you the exposure to the whole hyper-growth venture world. And, and, and what was that for you? What was that experience for you like? Yeah, so, you know, the, the decision to leave my job was a combination of multiple things. One is I realized after four years of graduating that I had pretty much spent my um, you know young adult life in really small towns in India. Like first of all, I grew up in a very small town, and I was building this small factory in a again a small town in India. And 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 uh, even uh, I was, when I was reporting to the chief executive, it again happened to be in a small town in India. So I realized that I and and I, I saw all my friends at that time. They were. Uh, you know, living in Bombay, Delhi, which are like the large cities in India, and it really felt that I had I needed to see the world a little bit, which is why I decided to apply to business school, and then I landed up in Berkeley, which I didn't realize was also a small town. So, so, um, but but uh, I um, really um, I, I again felt like 
I grew up really quickly in a short span of time in the three years that I spent in the Bay Area. Uh, just the uh, entrepreneurial energy that is there, I would say, is unparalleled to anything that I had ever seen. Um, and and uh, even even the even though I was though I was in the business school at Berkeley, I spent almost fifty percent of my time hanging out with engineers and PhD for students, because also Berkeley allowed you to do that. And um, and San Francisco was just like forty five minutes away. Um, and being a student, one thing I realized was it was very easy to cold email people and just have coffee with them. So I really leveraged that a lot. Like I remember, and and I was really on hindsight, I had a lot of success. Almost ninety percent of my cold emails were returned. But I would just say, hey, I'm a you know noob student from Berkeley. I don't know anything. Can I talk to you for thirty minutes? And and the beauty of the Bay Area is most people said yes. Here's my calendar. Find a slot that works. And uh, just doing that over a period of time, I think just helped me get a massive amount of exposure. During my second year at business school, also I, I was fortunate to get this opportunity to join a venture capital fund as their uh, kind of campus scout, which was Foundation Capital. And uh, I met uh, Reed Hastings. He hosted us. Uh, sorry, not Reed. We met Paul Holland. He hosted us for dinner at uh, at his house, and you know he he shared his story about how um, um, you know the he was involved in the investments at Pure Storage and later Netflix, and and you can't not get inspired when you know you are part of these conversations on a day to day basis. So I'm very very fortunate that I spent three years there. And obviously, at that point, you really were able to see that it was possible. But, you know, one thing that that it was possible really to build something and scale something to into something that could be a meaningful success. I guess here, you know, one thing that really stands out is typically people that come here to the U.S. and do a master's degree and, and take a look around and see the venture world, see the space, see the ecosystem. They get influenced or they get inspired by it. They stay here and then they launch their business here. In your case, you decide to pack up the bags and go back to India. Why, 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 why did you do that? What happened? Yeah, it's again a very interesting story. Like, so I, I would say after spending a couple of years in the Bay Area, I, the conviction to start a company at some point in my life was just getting stronger and stronger. Now, what happened was uh, as an immigrant to the U.S., uh, like there were certain logistical challenges with starting a company in the U.S., which is primarily around immigration. Like um, you know, the the U.S. immigration system is largely set up for uh, people who want jobs versus people who are wanting to create their own ventures. So I thought uh, uh, at that point of time, after graduating from business school, I almost started up then with uh, with my one of my friends from business school. We even got a term sheet. Uh, to to you know do it full time, but then I realized that you know just because of immigration and other reasons, it's better for me to take a job at that point of time. So I let that go, and I took up a job with McKinsey uh, in their uh, Bay Area office uh, in Palo Alto, where I spent a year there. Um, and and I, I I liked McKinsey. It was a it was a great place, but I know I I it was still. Uh, always at the back of my mind that I'm doing something which, uh, you know, I don't see myself doing it um, 
forever like i, I don't see myself becoming a partner in the game so um i then applied for my um uh, h1b visa which is what it's called uh and it's a lottery uh so you like every year 200000 people apply and there are 60000 spots and uh, i unfortunately didn't get through the lottery which meant that i had to leave the us wow. and mckinsey at that point of time was kind enough to say hey why don't you spend a year abroad maybe apply again the next year so i started out doing that i spent four months in australia through mckinsey and then once i finished that project uh, i got my next assignment in europe and at that point of time you know is when me and my then girlfriend now wife we just paused and said hey is this really what we want to do with our life do we want to optimize our lives around a visa do we uh, want to you know do things for not the right reasons and and uh, you know where do we see ourselves long term professionally personally do we want to be closer to family and once we really uh, set aside time to think about it with that intention uh it things became ultra clear and we overnight decided with just two suitcases to come back to india we didn't really have a plan beyond that we just knew that we had to come back to india and um, and uh, and once we did you know i started you know just reaching out to folks who i knew from you know my prior network and and luckily shrinath who's my co-founder today was one of the first people i called and uh, fortunately both of us were in the same headspace that we wanted to do something together and we knew each other for a really long time and uh, one thing led to another and you know luckily here we are two years later so then tell us about setwork because obviously that is the the what really came about you know from those discussions so how did you guys come across the idea and then what did you go or what did you do you know in order to really bring it to life so maybe tell you a little bit about what zetwork is uh, so we are fundamentally building a marketplace solution for manufacturing so we work with uh, design companies to convert their digital designs into physical products uh, so these are uh, these can be industrial designs or they can be consumer designs uh, we are fairly agnostic so our customers are companies like general electric siemens tata which are large industrial houses in india and we also serve a few uh, consumer companies as well uh, we started off with uh, our roots in software like um, you know as i mentioned my first job in itc was to build a new factory for them so i really un- i understood the manufacturing world from that lens because some of the problems that we wanted to solve were problems that i had faced where uh, when i was building this factory i was working with hundreds of suppliers uh, across different life cycles all of them i was managing through a google spreadsheet or an excel and it was very uh, very inefficient we, we we really felt that while there are certain software tools like ariba and coopa which can solve the workflow requirements for buying standard products when we want to buy something custom there is really no software tool in the market so that's what we started uh, uh, wanting to build uh, and we raised our seed round with that uh, pitch as well uh, and and the first 3 months we did build this but then when we went to market and we got a lot of meetings everyone wanted to talk to us we met ge we met all these companies we discovered two things really quickly one is uh, at least in the indian market people don't value software as much because uh, you know generally the cost of labor is low and um, problems can be solved by 
hiring more people and even when we spoke to some of these large companies uh ge liked our product but we realized that companies like ge don't make any software decisions in india they outsource it to headquarters in us or europe wherever and in fact ge wanted us to meet that you know cio in switzerland and and you know for us as a early stage company we realized that yes we can definitely pursue this path we can take these meetings we can go travel around the world and talk to as many companies as possible to try and sell our software but ultimately you know these are going to be year year long sales cycles and and we felt that a company of our vintage we were not really equipped to handle such large sales cycles luckily what happened for us is we all of our customers were also asking us hey can i use your software to discover new suppliers and we realized that you know that's a more latent and immediate pain point that companies are uh, facing a challenge with today and to our credit we made that pivot in the first 3 months we made this pivot even before our seed uh, term sheet had converted and we had received the money in the bank so luckily our investors did support us when we made that change but that pivot really worked for us once we made that pivot we started acquiring customers you know left right and center and you know we've grown fairly quickly today and you know it's interesting because listening to your customers is absolutely everything so i mean how what was that process like of of especially for the people that are listening of really you know being able to get that feedback those data points from from your customers and to really use that in order to guide you in the execution to really turn the business around on the model yeah i feel we did a couple of things well one is even when we were designing the software we had people from the industry as co-creators and we credited them as such that these are people from ge from fl schmidt large industrial companies who are co-designing the software with us so they were always involved throughout the process and hence they were championing our success um i would say that's one thing we did well the other thing we did well was we were not rigid uh, like we had a certain idea of course that we wanted to build software and we would have still i would say preferred that but we ultimately you know as entrepreneurs like my view is we are uh, in some way servants of the market and uh, if the market wants us a certain product sometimes the market knows it and is vocal about it sometimes the market does not know it yet and we have to recognize where the we are in that in that scheme of things if the market has already figured it out and it is telling you then as an entrepreneur our job is to listen and sometimes the market does not know and then as entrepreneurs our job is to innovate and you know move the industry forward so at that point of time the right answer was to listen and we were getting this feedback from every customer meeting like hey can i do you have suppliers in the northern part of india hey do you have suppliers of product x do you have suppliers in the southern part of india and beyond the point it was just too hard to ignore so uh, so you know it was a combination of those things understood so so we see what a year no because you raised your seed and your series a within the same year typically people wait 18 to 24 months between financing cycle to financing cycle so why did you do both financing cycles within the same span of a of a 12 month period yeah it it's it, it's it's mostly about you know the company uh, life cycle like when we raised our seed round the intent was to find product market fit 
right largely at that point when we when we raised our initial round of investment we had this idea that the software product would work and over the next few months we tested it and we realized it does work but in in a different format where it has to be more of a marketplace solution at least in the indian context once we made that pivot so we raised our seed round in may and we made this pivot in june by july we were onboarding customers like we were onboarding one to two customers every month and uh, from a marketplace point of view we were also growing 300 400% month on month and and we saw that growth for uh, around uh, six months and that's when we realized like look, this is not a fluke what we are experiencing is a very real real pain point that we have both intentionally and by listening to our customers have come across this and and uh, and that that point of time we realized we have to double down because we had product market fit um so that's why we decided to uh, go for our series a just 6 months after we had done our seed because we really knew that we have to take this offering to as many customers as possible in as short of span of time and for that uh, you know additional amount of growth capital would would help with that vision and luckily we had uh, a good set of investors who really appreciated and saw us saw our journey for what it was and hence while our raising our seed round was fairly tough our raising our seed series a you know was not it was not that um, difficult uh, we we were able to do it fairly easily the only story there is you know we did it one we got our series a term sheet two weeks before um, i got married so so it was a little <laughs> bit of a challenge to to man to manage both uh, both those mega events in, in you know in, in my life and uh, my wife was not not too thrilled as well like hey can't yeah. you do this after we come back from our wedding but uh, you know luckily luckily we were able to make things work got it and and obviously you know a, a business like this is not very intuitive so how were you able to really explain it to investors so that they were able to get it yeah i mean uh, combination of things like of course we uh, we were fortunate that we got product market fit and and the numbers spoke a certain story because you know when we were growing you know 300% month on month it it it's not a fluke but um but what was becoming clear to us um again some of it was intentional some of it we we discovered as we explored the market was that we were also at the right place at the right time if you look at uh, manufacturing uh, as a industry uh, it's a fairly mature industry in most advanced economies in the world uh, including the us china or whatever and india uh, india also has a fairly large manufacturing base but when we do the double click and when we go deeper we realize that manufacturing is a very inefficient industry in india largely because uh india 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 didn't really do justice to the manufacturing opportunity over the last many decades because of regulatory and, and multiple other reasons uh, even access to capital and uh, and um, and uh, we felt that uh, uh, especially in lights of what is happening today with the pandemic and other things global supply chains are starting to move towards countries like india 
um and uh, and uh, a lot of companies historically have wanted to work with indian manufacturers but never they never really had uh, a partner like us who can take care of all the hard work and uh, you know find the right suppliers find the right price point find the right uh, provide complete transparency and reliability uh, of the manufacturing job at any given point of time and and really we uh, we we feel strongly about that mission i think we started off by wanting to build a software tool to help manufacturers but really we've uh, evolved as a company to solving for making india a global manufacturing hub and and really that narrative has worked really well when we pitch our company to other customers when we pitch our company to potential colleagues who may want to join us and largely lastly when we pitch our company to investors who can participate in the story that we're building uh, at zetwork so you know it 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 again required uh, i would say zooming in and zooming out uh, i think that's a skill which is very important for most entrepreneurs uh, we at when we are when we are doing the work on a day to day basis we get very involved in the details but having the ability to zoom out and really connect the dots and create a narrative around what it is exactly that we are doing i think that has helped us really well um you know in explaining what that work is to to other people got it because how much capital have you guys raised today we have raised a total of 62 million uh, of capital um from uh, from uh, multiple investors so our our investors uh, include uh, k capital and sequoia who did our seed round we did our series a uh, by axel and sequoia again both both their indian entities we did our series b by lightspeed india and greenox capital greenox is a san francisco based fund um and uh, recently during during the pandemic we uh, did a additional 20 million dollars of round internally Wow. I mean what a what an incredible ride with with some of the best investors in the world. So so going from 0 to 100 million in revenue in in literally 24 months. I mean how how do you go about scaling up because I mean growth at this speed I mean it's insane. So I mean how how were you able to accommodate this growth and figure out figuring out the kinks? Honestly we're still figuring it out. but uh, again what has what has uh, what has helped us is uh, luckily capital has not been a constraint you know as as and when the company has reached a certain scale we've luckily been able to shore up the balance sheet uh, either internally or by bringing on other like minded partners uh, to to support the company's requirements over a period of time but even in but internally i would say the the biggest challenge the things which which we i guess i didn't anticipate as much is just managing the people side of the business like we are today a 200 person company and uh, while uh, we've grown from 0 to 100 million in revenue we've also grown from 0 to 200 people in a very short span of time and and at any point in time if you look at a six month window half the company is new people and people we've had to integrate into the company's culture a certain way of working uh sharing the values that we we have while doing it at a crazy scale and a crazy speed um so i would say that was the part which 
uh, I would say I was not as prepared for, but unfortunately, we have we have done a good job. Um, otherwise, you know, luckily our business model uh, worked in a way where uh, growth happened largely by uh, our existing customers. If any given month, like eighty percent of our business comes from our existing customers, and maybe ten to twenty percent comes from new customers. So we've really not had to spend a lot of time in acquiring growth. A lot of the constraints we face as a company today are purely internal. You know, do we have the right operational bandwidth? Do we have the right technology uh, that can support a certain scale? Um, um, and and uh, and and of course the team team that can take us not just to where we are today, but over the next decade. You know, in terms of the company that we're trying to build. Wow. So so let's say. Amrit, that today, you know, you were, you were alluding there to over the next decade. So imagine that you go to sleep in, you know, tonight and that you wake up in, let's say in 10 years, like you were saying, over the next decade. And you wake up in a world where the mission and the, let's say the vision of set work is completely realized. What does that world look like? Yeah, it's a very interesting world. Like, uh, you know, if you look at, like we, we feel our company's success is very tied to India's success overall. The average Indian person today is 30 years old, which is 30, 32 years old, which is how old I am. And in 10 years of time, that probably the average Indian will be 40 years old. And and we feel that um, at least within the company, like a lot of the work we're doing is very fundamental towards India's growth story. We are uh, building assets, we're creating employment opportunities for a section of people which is not possible to create through, you know, let's say uh, software or, uh, you know, the creating the Uber for India or any those kind of companies. So we feel very that the work we are doing is directly contributing towards building India. And, uh, and over a period of time, we do strongly feel that India has a lot of depth in manufacturing, which has not been tapped yet the way to the fullest extent in, in a global world. We are slowly seeing that change. We are seeing Apple set up a large manufacturing unit in India to build iPhones. We want more and more companies to set up shop in India. And as companies are exploring these decisions, you know, they can be rest assured that the network is there to take care of all the tough steps so that they can focus on what is core to them, which is building amazing products and designing these products and leaving, you know, all the um, you know, difficult part of bringing them to life to a, to a company like us, which is which is really you know this is this is what we live and breathe on a day to day basis. So that's that's broadly our vision. We want India to become a large global manufacturing hub. We want to catalyze that change, and through that process, transform Indian society. Very cool. Very cool. So one of the um, one of the questions that I typically ask the guests that come on the show is. I mean, you, you, you've been at this for, for quite a bit now. I mean, the, the growth, remarkable, the journey, like, unbelievable. I guess if you had an opportunity to to have a chat with your younger self, maybe that younger self that was coming out of Berkeley, you know, thinking about this world where maybe, you know, like, you could create something and, and launch a business. I mean, if you could go back in time and, and, and really have the ear of that younger Amrit and and really being able to share with that younger self one piece of business advice before launching a business. What would that be and why knowing what you know now? 
I would say the summary of all of the things that I have learned so far is intent matters a lot. Uh, I think when I was younger and and I, I do see this a lot with young people in general is we have a very go with the flow kind of you know attitude. Let's see what happens. You know, broadly, if you're checking all the right boxes, you know, having a great job or having a great going to a great college or business school or whatever like largely we feel our life is on track right but i would i would want to challenge that view like where do you really see yourself in 5 years 10 years down the line is the path that you're on really aligned towards meeting those goals and then work backwards from there and often times we we'll realize when we think about the next decade from that lens you know we will feel we should feel that we're running out of time um and that's the advice i would give to my younger self like really why couldn't you have started that work maybe 5 years before it i did what was holding me back towards uh, you know thinking thinking about my life in that way um so really that's that's what i try and do a lot today like really thinking about uh, the future with a certain degree of intent what is it the world that we want to create and in, and you know the best way to invent the future is to create it absolutely just like peter drucker said so um so i'm read So for the folks that are listening what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Uh I mean I'm available on LinkedIn that's probably the easiest way. I I try and respond to most messages or I'm available at uh, amrit@zetwork.com. Amazing. Well Amrit, thank you so much for being on the Deal Maker show today. Thank you so much for having me Alejandro. If you like the show make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well that would be fantastic. And if you got any value either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro@pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.